actual real um, stories submitted by doctors and nurses, and I've shared some of these in the distant past. But this is one of my favorite. A nurse was on duty at the ER when a young woman came in with purple hair and a rocker mohawk with a variety of tattoos and body piercings and all that. And it was quickly diagnosed that she had acute appendicitis and was prepared for surgery. It was when she was completely disrobed on the operating table that the staff noticed that her uh, southern extremity had been dyed green. And above it, there was a tattoo that read, keep off the grass. <clears throat> so once the surgery was completed, the surgeon wrote a little note on the patient's dressing that said, sorry, we had to mow the lawn. <laughs> True story, I have a name from the person. <laughs> That's for all you nurses out there. I have some more, they're not all perfect. <clears throat> I may break down. Anyways, as we begin our study today of chapter one, I have to tell you this passage profoundly has impacted my life, these verses, uh, in the last few years. We all know that we live in a sinful, fallen, sin-cursed world. Therefore, life is filled with sorrow and pain and disappointments and even times of despair. Countless Bible writers cried out to God in their heartache. Job said, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Jeremiah said, why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow? The psalmist said, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? King David went on to say in another psalm, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? So it is the experience of most everyone to have that kind of despair at times in life and the reality is that bad things really do happen unjust things bad things evil things happen to people in this world we all know that we're born sinners when we come into this world and our sin is what separates us from a holy god and those who have come to jesus understanding their own sinful state and trusted him for salvation that he is their personal sin bearer are forgiven sinners, but we still live in a fallen, wicked, sin-cursed, hostile world. And that means things happen that are very difficult. But those who are the called, those who love the Lord, uh, he takes even all of the bad things and is able to make them work for good. How amazing. That is our lifeline to survival. And that's the promise of God, that he is completely sovereign, he is in control. There is always a purpose in any pain he lets you go through. I listened to a particular message on this chapter probably ten times um, during a difficult time with our granddaughter. And uh, when she went from a healthy one-year-old to somebody who couldn't stand, sit, or hold her head up. And watching that whole process and seeing her suffer endless tests, and doctors for a year and a half not having a clue, and it just went on and on and on. And it was, it was very hard to watch, and there were very dark times. And that's when you have to speak the truth to yourself about God, who he is, what he's like, and fill your head with messages of truth. And so it was that I came to listen to this message over and over again on this particular passage we're looking at. It was such a great encouragement to look at the value and the purposes that God has in our suffering. I can't go over the whole message <laughs> that I listened to, but 
just a few points I want to remind you with before we get into our text. It's in suffering that we're able to see the validity of our faith, that he really is our father, that we really are his child as he brings us comfort and hope. God also allows bad things to happen to us in order to wean us from this world. You know, the clothes, the jewelry, the house, the car, it's nothing when you're suddenly faced with a crisis. All that you thought was an important thing all goes away. And you remember how Jesus, when he tested his disciples and he asked them if there was any food to feed that multitude of hungry believers who had been listening to him all day, and they looked around using their human reasoning and resources. And how often we do the very same thing. We look around, we look for people to fix it rather than Jesus himself. Another purpose that God has in allowing his children to suffer is to remind us of our hope in heaven. In this life, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. And we're always so shocked that we have tribulation. He made it very clear, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, but that's the way it's going to be. But in suffering and in trials, that's what makes us long for our hope in heaven. This, this is temporary, what we're in right now. Heaven is eternal, so we can survive this. Another reason God allows suffering in his children is um, to show his children what we really love. We all remember this trial that God put Abraham through and telling him to offer your son, your only son, the promised son that wasn't born until you were 100, and the one I have all the promises through, I want you to take him and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham obeyed. And God stopped him and spared the life of Isaac, but this was a test that proved that Abraham loved God even more than his own son. Abraham came to believe, well, God's going to keep his promises, so if my son's dead, he'll just obviously have to raise him up again, even though there was no frame of reference in his experience of such a thing ever happening. Another reason God allows bad things to happen to his own is to teach them to obey. The psalmist said in 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. As a loving father, God disciplines his children. He corrects us when we're wrong. We have wrong attitudes, wrong perspectives, and he does it for our own good. We know from Hebrews 12, the point is so that we will share in holiness as it yields the fruit of righteousness in our life. God also allows difficulties in our lives to reveal his compassion to us. All of you who have suffered greatly know from experience that when he brought you to comfort, there was an intimacy in your relationship with him that you never had at any other level before. God is a God of compassion, and he comforts his own and cares deeply for those who are afflicted. If we never had a sorrow, ladies, we would never experience the joy of knowing his comfort. Another reason God allows pain in our lives is because it strengthens his children so that they will be more useful to him. The more refined you are through trials in your life, the more your faith is tested and the more you will have endurance. We don't like to just have endurance. Without, can I just have it? But you have to endure to have endurance. 
And that is why we read in James, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Another reason bad things happen to God's people is found in our chapter today. And it's so that we were able to comfort others with the comfort God has shown to us. So what we have to keep in mind is that no trial, no sorrow is an accident. Everything is God's purpose and his plan. It is handpicked. It is approved by him. He is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-kind, all-good, all-loving God. So what you go through in this life equips you to share with others what you've learned when he's met you in your pain. So these purposes of suffering, I found a great encouragement to keep on trusting the Lord, even when he seems silent, and there are times when he does. God chose to preserve this letter from Paul to the Corinthians, uh, and the church there, it is inspired by him, and I hope that the study of this chapter and the whole book will be great encouragement to you. Nothing is in vain, nothing's an accident that God allows us to go through. So we're going to look at the first couple of verses of our passage. It's the typical greeting Paul gives, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins the letter in the typical way. People in the first century identified who they were at the start. And he has some important points in there that he is an apostle of Christ, divinely appointed to represent Jesus Christ and proclaim his truth. It's important because <clears throat> Paul is speaking with a divine authority, and he is acting on behalf of Jesus Christ. He wasn't self-appointed like the false apostles that came into the church at Corinth. He was by, pointed by the will of God. Timothy is named not because he's a co-author. He just was there, and the Corinthians knew him. And the letter was written, as we saw, to the church at Corinth and then believers beyond that. And it was circulated and intended for all of God's people to read, and that includes you and me. And so we are here studying this today. And he wishes them God's grace in living the Christian life as well as his peace that can only come from knowing his grace in our life. So, the purpose in suffering. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Though Paul's life was filled with sorrow and pain, uh, he starts out his letter by giving praise to God. He praises God for his mercy and comfort. There's no shortcut to knowing God as being merciful and as being comforting unless you have suffered and found him to be this experience in your own pain. God is the source and originator of compassion. Not only does he have feelings of compassion for his children's suffering, but in our pain he ministers to us by comforting us. The Greek word for comfort means to come alongside of someone to help them. I was thinking this morning, the whole triune Godhead is involved in comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter that was sent. Jesus said he's our high priest who empathizes with our pain. And God the Father is the God of all mercies and compassion. In other words, it is God who gives strength and courage in the midst of pain. 
God cares about us, he's compassionate, and he comforts us. And how does he do that? He uses his word. That's, his word reveals who he is to comfort us through our trials. Paul pleaded with God to remove his thorn in the flesh, which we'll study in, time, in the weeks to come. And you know the answer. God said, no. No, that's not what I'm going to do. I get a lot of those. And God said, rather, I'm going to give you grace as you live with this pain. So God gave him the strength to endure, and Paul was comforted. You have to know God's word in order to be comforted from him. So the question is, where do you turn to when a heartbreaking trial comes into your life? I can assure you, if it is only to people, be they doctors, lawyers, family, whoever, you will be disappointed. We tend to want to listen, we want people to listen to us rather than listening to the word of God speak to our pain. But the true comfort and strength for pain is found only in the God of all comfort as he reveals himself and who he is and what his character is like in his word. That's why the worst thing anybody can do when they're in a crisis is to stay away from church, stay away from fellow believers, and isolate yourself so you sit alone and silent in your own self-absorbed agony. You need his word. You need other believers in your pain. Why? Verse 4, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We have seen that God comforts us through his word. But another purpose in our suffering is that uh, we who have experienced God's comfort are then able to come alongside others who are in pain and encourage them by sharing the verse the song, the Bible study, the Bible message that ministered and brought us through very dark, dark nights. If you've lost a child, if you've lost a spouse, or had the agony of divorce, you have endured much and can offer encouragement in such a great way to others going through similar pain. If you've had a serious illness and treatments like cancer or whatever, you can empathize with and bring comfort to someone else at the beginning of this trial. If you have a difficult child, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental needs, and you're, you walk through that valley, you can come alongside someone just at the start. It's important to understand that you don't have to have the exact trial in order to be able to comfort someone who is hurting. Let's face it, if you're struggling with fear, worry, anxiety, um, whatever it is, how you got to that place, it's still the same answer for the comfort that you need. It may be a different reason you're in this uh, mindset, but we all need the same answers from God's word. We just read that God comforts us in all our affliction, that's very broad, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So the comfort God brings from his word can be applied to any trial. The comfort isn't because you understand exactly someone's pain, the comfort is from God's word as it relates to our sorrow. So as you have been comforted by scripture, you can comfort others and pass on to them what helped you minister, uh, God's word ministering to you. So studying this book here today 
Thousands of years removed from when Paul penned this letter, we're actually benefiting from the comfort Paul got as he's sharing it with us. We have such finite little minds and perspectives of what's going on, <laughs> but the sorrow that you may be going through right now may be God preparing you for a ministry to someone in the future, even if it's in 10 years. He is preparing you to bring comfort as he comforts you through his word today. He is enabling you for a ministry to others for years to come. As a quadriplegic, Johnny Erickson Tata has said, we need to view our trials as our friends, not our enemies. You can never know the depths of God's comfort without experiencing pain and suffering. I love that he knows our frame and he is mindful that we are just dust. We are frail, we are weak, we are, we are pathetic. And he is a loving, understanding, merciful, comforting father. We often wonder how Job survived the loss of 10 children, just like that. And the loss of everything he had materially, and then his own health completely destroyed. And he said, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? You know, Job understood that God was sovereign. This just didn't happen without God being completely aware. He realized that God had permitted all of this suffering that he was going through. It was a test, and you know, that was his response. His wife's response was, why don't you just curse God and die? She blew it. She did not handle the test. <laughs> well, the reality is that the greater the suffering, it will still never outweigh God's comfort. His comfort is far beyond whatever comforting we need, what he offers. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. It is a deep well with no end. Paul doesn't just refer to his own personal sufferings here, but rather he calls his sufferings the sufferings of Christ. Paul's reminding us that all the suffering that Jesus endured in, when he was the God-man here on earth really was due to his righteous living. The animosity that people have towards believers when they speak of God's absolute truth and righteousness is the same. I mean, back in Jesus' day, they killed him, and today they can't do that, so they're going to take it out on anybody who would stand with his righteous standards. Godly living is not appreciated by people in the world. I remind you what Paul said in 2 Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It, it's inevitable. Paul is reminding us that while it is God who comforts us when we suffer, there is an abundant comfort for those who suffer because of their faith. Jesus talked about that in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you and men who follow you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. This is an important truth, in fact, for Paul to state, especially in light of the false apostles that were saying, oh, he's just suffering and going through all that because God doesn't like him. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Verse 6, but if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort in salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Ultimately, the suffering of Paul was benefiting the Corinthians and other believers because of how he was helped and comforted 
then he could bring comfort to them and understanding. It is the comfort that we get from the Lord that helps us to help others in need. We are all a part of the same body when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of us are to be involved in coming alongside others in their sorrow, be encouraging them with the word, strengthening them, praying for them. Believers as one body, we need each other to come alongside each other in our pain to help us endure. God will enable you to handle all kinds of suffering, and he uses his word, and he uses fellow believers to bring comfort into your heart. Verse 7, and our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. There were those in the church at Corinth who were also experiencing this kind of persecution going on that Paul was had been going through, and so he encouraged them. He knew. He knew he could endure because God met him, and he knew that he, the Lord would do the same for them. The truth is that all believers are partakers when we are in pain, and we are all partakers in comfort, offering it, receiving it. Ladies, we need to remember that comfort is available to all of his children. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the God of all comfort today, right now. He is the Father of mercy, God of all comfort, and this truth is a reality for everyone who has come by faith and trusted Jesus Christ as their sin bearer. At the moment of our salvation, scripture makes it clear we are adopted into his family, and then the, he, the judge of the universe declares us righteous before a holy God. Uh, this is the only possible, uh, this is only possible rather because the God-man himself took the punishment we deserve for our sin as God poured it out on Jesus Christ on the cross. So forgiveness for our sins against a holy God, really that is every individual's greatest need. And I pray that each one of you here has come to him for salvation, and if not, that you will not delay. You will understand your great need, that you are spiritually bankrupt, and your good works will never impress God, because it's never enough always tainted with our sin. Your faith has to be in the only one who led a perfect righteous life, and that was Jesus. Only then can you know his peace, because when you put your faith in him, then he makes you his child, and you're no longer at enmity with him. You're at peace. So you're at peace with him, then he gives you his peace to endure. We must not let our suffering, ladies, turn us into self-focused people who live our lives through the lens of our own self-pity. We must understand that God has allowed specific suffering that comes to us for a purpose. One of those purposes is so that you will comfort others who are suffering. We, when we suffer, we are forced to depend on the Lord, verses 8 through 10. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, but that we despaired even of life. Something happened so horrific to Paul and his companions, and the Corinthians were knowledgeable about it, so he doesn't go into any detail. We don't really know what all went on. <clears throat> but whatever happened, it was so bad that Paul lost all hope of even living. He says he despaired, which literally means there was no way of escape. There was no exit possible out of the situation he was in. 
He goes on to say in verse 9 that indeed we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Paul was so sure he was going to die that he passed the death sentence on himself. He really believed this was the end. I, I see such a contrast here with Paul. He's in despair. Later on when you read 2 Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. There's a crown laid up for me. There's no despair. That's when he was going to die. This wasn't his time to die. But he thought he was going to, and that's why he had such despair. When God's time to take you home is, he will give you the grace. This wasn't that time, and Paul was, thought there's no way out. Perhaps you've had that same experience. There are times when there is simply no human solution, and you are so weighed down by your situation. You have tried everything you know to do, and there just doesn't seem to be any hope. Why did God allow Paul his, this amazing godly apostle to be in such a situation it's the same reason he allows fellow believers to be in a crisis he says so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead this is the major truth for us to get our heads around God brought Paul to a place where there was no way to escape death because he wanted Paul to abandon all self-reliance and put all of his trust in the Lord. Just like Abraham. Abraham trusted the Lord. I've never heard of such a thing, but he can raise, God can raise my son from the dead. And so Paul had total confidence in the Lord as the powerful one who can even raise people from the dead. This is the same reason God allows suffering in our lives to bring us to the end of ourselves. We have to come to that place where we can't rely on our intellect, our, in, our ingenuity, our education, our money, our doctor, our family, or anything else. In our inability and our weakness to not be able to fix someone or something forces us to finally come to a place where we absolutely have to depend on God alone. Most of us can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What is it about that we just don't seem to get? <laughs> but what do we do when a crisis comes? We so often pursue every human resource to fix this problem for us. Whether it's the health, the job, the money, the people we love, and you know what? We can't fix it. And this kind of suffering, like Paul endured, is designed by God to deepen his faith, to trust the one who can do all things, even if it means raising somebody from the dead. How often we forget that as his child, we are safely held in his loving hands at all times. He allows suffering to come into our lives so that we learn to stop relying on ourselves. You can trust him. He will rescue you. He will bring you through your present trials, as well as the ones you don't know are around the corner. When God alone has the answers and the solution, it is to him alone we are finally forced to turn. Most likely, you can think back in your own life of times where it seems the circumstances were impossible. And yet, as you reflect, and it's a great thing to journal because you really don't remember, how many times he rescues you till you read back it through it again but he brought you through and the result was this other great purpose that God has in suffering and that is our suffering brings God glory 
you also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Paul understood that it was God who delivered him, but God had used the prayers of his people to do that. Amazing. Sovereign God in complete control. And his plan in all of this is to take finite people like us and use the tool of prayer to actually change things. Amazing. This is why prayer is so important, yet how often we neglect it, we're too busy to pray, we can't keep our thoughts straight for 30 seconds talking to him. But prayer does change things, and that's reality. And these fellow believers were part of the help of Paul being delivered from this death situation. He says, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. When suffering comes, another benefit is that it causes us to make prayer a greater priority. Oh, now the TV show or the whatever isn't that big of a deal. Help. <laughs> we have to spend time with the Lord. Then God is glorified when he answers our prayer. And sometimes it means deliverance from the suffering. Other times his answer is, I'm just going to give you grace to continue to endure to live with this suffering. But all believers who have been a part of praying for the situation are then a part of God's answer. And it's reason to give him praise. We need each other. You can't survive as a lone ranger in the Christian life. God is glorified in whatever way he chooses to answer. And all of the people who have been involved in the praying process get the joy in giving him glory. Though heartache and suffering are never easy to go through, ladies, it truly does help to know the truth of God's purposes behind allowing the pain that he's allowed in your life. It is designed by him. You are able to... You are, able to com you are able to experience the comfort of God because of the pain you go through, and you are then able to come along and comfort others. You are forced to depend on God when you finally come to the end of yourself and all of your human efforts, and you find that he is the only one sufficient for you. And then suffering allows us to see the power of God as he answers prayer, and then we have more reason to praise him more reason to give him glory. And everybody who's been part of that, it's such a joy when you're part of that answer because you were praying. No wonder the quote from Johnny Erickson is valid. Suffering and trials are not our enemies, they are our friends. And they build character into our life that would be there no other way. The last part of the chapter is Paul giving the defense of his integrity. He was completely transparent. He spoke words that benefited believers, that were genuine, and his reason for having to defend himself was not just for his own reputation's sake, but his concern was for the glory of God. So many lessons in this chapter, ladies. I hope you will truly get hold of these truths so that you are comforted in whatever you're enduring right now, and that you will be able to face whatever is coming around in our future. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, Lord. I, I thank you for revealing this about yourself, and thank you that we can trust you, that you know our pain, you know our weakness, you know our struggle, 
and you are developing us and making us trophies for your glory. Lord, I pray that you will encourage each woman here, Lord. Everybody sits here with a whole set of situations that they are dealing with today. I pray that you will bring these truths home to their own hearts, that they would see the value and the purpose and what you are doing and that you are good and that you've handpicked our circumstances in this life and our sorrows to make us more like you. I pray that we would not fight you and do everything we can to get out of the pain, Lord, but to learn to find you sufficient in the pain, to know your peace, to know your comfort so we can share it with those who come across our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you.